0: Hi, I'm Joshi Thomas. I'm a solicitor in the Legal Markets Group at LexisNexis UK. Um, I work in the IP and TMT practice areas with a personal focus on internet, digital, disputes, IP transactions, copyright and database law. I'm also part of the TMT practice area representing the M for media and cover music, film and TV, publishing and digital content and social media. I'm here today with Ben Tao. How are you doing, Ben?
1: Hi there, Joshi, I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, You've just said my name, but I'll say again, I'm Ben Tao and I work within the TMT team, as well as the podcast production team here at LexisNexis.
0: Great, thanks, Ben. So today we're doing a Databases Refresher podcast. We're going to talk about basic stuff like what a database is with some examples, and then look at the two main types of database protection in the UK. They are copyright database and database right. Then we'll look at database infringement and the B word, how databases are affected by Brexit.
1: That sounds great. And please note that today's podcast will only deal with uh, databases within the copyright and rights in databases, REGS 1997, which is of course the UK's implementing legislation for the database directive. Okay, Joshi, so to start, I'm going to ask you the most obvious question for this database's refresher. What is a database?
0: I suppose this is the boring basic bit, but the definition of a database comes from the wording contained in Article 1-2 of the Database Directive, which is repeated in the Databases Regulations 1997 and the Copyright Designs and Patents Acts 1988, which I'll refer to as the CDPA 1988. And this is the definition it's a collection of independent works, data or other materials which are arranged in a systematic or methodical way and are individually accessible by electronic or other means. Simply, a database is a system and of course this is increasingly usually computerised that makes it easy to search, uh, select and store information. So, the value of databases, based on that, lies in being able to search large amounts of data very quickly. And the database directive aims to protect works created in that way. When thinking about how databases are protected, it's worth keeping those two points in mind. Databases are protected by rights that can be lucrative to exploit. And in the case of databases is usually done by license rather than sale. And this is because they're designed to be used by many users and can be easy to reproduce and maintain.
1: Okay, so here we're talking things like Uh, customer databases that contain subscriber lists, telephone directories and hard copy as well as electronic encyclopedias.
0: That's right. Um, But we can also add to that collections of data on websites or an intranet, such as car details listings, you know, for buying a car, uh, football or horse racing fixture lists containing details of horses and jockeys, dates of races, which have come up a lot in case law. Uh, Also legal reports, uh, websites, and of course, LexisNexis is a database of databases and has one of, if not the world's largest electronic databases for legal and public records related information. But even topographical maps can be a database. Now, what isn't included within that definition? Well, a single literary or musical work, which doesn't fall within the scope of the definition, Um, and this is because it's not a collection of works. Similarly, a recording or an audiovisual or cinematographic work would not be a database because these collections do not consist of independent works that are individually accessible.
1: Okay, that's been uh, really useful. Thank you for clarifying all of that. So moving on, Joshi, today I'm right in saying that we are not going to be covering confidential information or the uh, data protection aspects of databases.
0: Yeah, that's right, Ben. Those two areas are covered more in our practice notes in the database's topic in Lexis PSL. I'm also not going to cover copyright that may exist in the individual contents or works contained in a database, as that's more mainstream copyright and is also dealt with in our Lexis PSL copyright practical guidance. And also, due to sort of pressures of time, I'm not going to deal with copyright or database right duration, um, also dealt with in our practical guidance.
1: that was sound logical. Cool. So, what types of UK protection are we going to cover today then?
0: Well, there are there are two independent tiers of protection in the UK. None, either or both, can subsist in the database and the rights to them may vest in different people. Looking at it very simply, database copyright protects the intellectual creation in the selection or arrangement of the database, but not the contents. So forget about raw data for database copyright. Database right, on the other hand, also referred to often as sui generis database right, protects the investment in obtaining, verifying, or presenting the contents.
1: Okay, Josie, let's start with the first one you mentioned there. Then, can you uh, take me through database copyright?
0: Yeah, no problem, Ben. Um, so. Thinking about database copyright, this protects the structure of the database. When looking at whether it subsists, your first step is to see if the database meets the definition of what constitutes a database. And I mentioned that earlier at the start of the podcast. It must then satisfy the two requirements of originality and fixation. So first looking at originality, CDPA 1988 Section 3A provides that a database is original, if the selection or arrangement of the contents of the database constitutes the author's own intellectual creation. You'll know, you know, we'll know about author's own intellectual creation um, through normal copyright law. Anyway, the hurdle is a low one. okay. and when we look now at fixation, that is really just referring to the database being recorded in some way and arguments about fixation rarely surface in databases proceedings. So this is a bit of a legal bit, I suppose. Strictly, Um, there is a four step test for database copyright subsistence, and that is summarised in the Football Data Co Ltd against Britain's pool case at paragraph 91 if you're interested. So of these steps, let's look at the first step. So the first step is to identify the data which is collected and arranged in the database. Step two, analyse the work which goes into the creation of the database by collecting and arranging the data, so identified, to isolate the work which is properly regarded as selection and arrangement. Step three, ask whether the work of selection and arrangement was the author's own intellectual creation, and in particular, whether it involved the author's judgment, taste, or discretion.
1: Okay, just to help me visualize, could you give me an example of uh, selection or arrangement Um, For instance, if I compiled a weekly list of music sales charts showing the uh, song title, artist, and position, would this meet what is required for selection and arrangement as the author's own intellectual creation?
0: Unlikely, uh, because that presentation probably doesn't have enough intellectual creation. The selection is an obvious one, which is likely to be carried out by many people in exactly the same way. But if you used a specially devised indexing and storage system, which allowed a much more efficient way of searching, then that would likely satisfy the test.
1: Okay, so exactly how much creative effort is required then?
0: it's not clear based on legislation or common law how much creative effort is required, but this creativity must be shown in how the contents are selected and arranged rather than how the information is gathered. So final step, ask whether the work is quantitatively sufficient to attract copyright protection, remembering it's a low hurdle. So there's a case, there's a high court case, um, which is a really good one to read on, on database right and copyright uh, database infringement. It's the Technomed case, and in that case, the High Court found that the developers of an echocardiogram analysis and reporting system database had expended considerable intellectual effort and creativity in choosing the contents of the database, selecting classifications and arranging the contents in a structured format. Note, the court excluded all the work involved in drafting definitions, as this wasn't selection or arrangement. In that case, the court decided that this work of selection and arrangement was qualitatively sufficient to amount to the author's own intellectual creation. And if you want to drill down further, have a look at powers uh, 98 and 99 of the judgment. And in that case, copyright was found to subsist in the database.
1: Okay, so fundamentally it protects the structure of the database as opposed to its contents then?
0: Yes, that's that's absolutely correct. And this point on content creation can be difficult to get your head round. Effort expended in creating data does not form part of the eligibility criteria. This is why the work done in drafting the definitions referred to in Technomed was excluded.
1: OK, and of course, if the database is protected by copyright, then the right is automatic and won't require registration. OK, so Joshi, could you also cover who benefits from this protection?
0: Well, in, the, in this case, the normal copyright rules apply. The copyright owner is usually the author of the work, so beware commissioned works. A consultant will own the copyright in commissioned works unless the point is specifically dealt with in the contract. An employee, on the other hand, will not. Their employer will be the owner if the work has been created in the course of the employee's employment. Uh, ben, I'm going to move now uh, away from database copyright and onto the sui generis database right. And this focus more on the gathering but again, not the creating of data and the looking after it. So for database right to subsist, there must have been a substantial investment in the creation of the database in the obtaining, verifying or presenting, those are the three keywords, uh, the contents of the database. When I refer to database, no, it's the same definition applies for both database copyright and the database right.
1: Okay, and to qualify, am I right in thinking the maker must be uh, an individual an incorporated body or a partnership of the EEA that is habitually resident or has its principal place of business within the EEA?
0: That's correct. And um, that reference to the EEA leads us quite neatly to Brexit. But if it's okay with you, I'm going to come back to Brexit a bit later on in the podcast. First, I'd like to break down that definition a bit. So let's break down that definition. Uh, Substantial investment. This means a considerable use of resources in a quantitative or a qualitative i.e. intellectual effort or energy sense.
1: I'm assuming that often this is uh, obvious as large amounts, and we're talking millions of pounds, I guess, of human technical or financial resources, including time, effort and energy, are invested in creating and maintaining databases.
0: Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. But it it doesn't have to be millions that are spent. So in the direct media case, there was a poetry database. And relation to that, an investment of 34,900 euros was considered substantial. Um, But there were other factors. The database, for example, took two years to compile. So let's look at those three keywords of obtaining, verification and presenting. Let's look at obtaining. This is about showing the effort in seeking out independent materials and collecting them into the database, perhaps by licensing them in from third parties. It's not about effort in creating materials, but if the effort of creation is inseparably mixed in with collection, that is usually okay. So verification. This is about um, efforts to ensure reliability and accuracy of information in the database. And it doesn't just apply to verifying existing data. It can also apply to obtaining data and entering that into the database. Presenting is about efforts to make the database good at processing information and allowing users access to the content of the database. And this can also apply to the initial format. So looking at an example of obtaining. In the direct media case, a university professor collated a collection of verse from the period 1720 to 1933. As part of this project, he drew up a list of verse titles. The list set out in order of the frequency with which the poem was mentioned. The author, title, opening line and year of the publication for each poem. A fairly complex methodology was used to obtain the data.
1: Okay, I see. So there wasn't a focus on the creation of the poems. It was the methodology that was um, important. Uh, Just for parallel purposes, can you give an example of something maybe not being deemed enough?
0: Yeah, no, sure. Um, In the uh, fixtures marketing against Oi Weikau's case, the Court of Justice found that the finding and collection of the data which made up professional league football fixture lists didn't require any particular effort on the part of the professional leagues. Um, this is because the finding and collection of data was indivisibly linked to the creation of those data. So in a nutshell, this meant that obtaining the contents of the fixture list did not require any investment independent of that required to create the data contained in the list. Okay. Hopefully, that, hopefully that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, that, 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 that helped clarify things. Thank you. Um, so Joshi, can you explain um, how database right is infringed then?
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, So database right is infringed when a person extracts or reutilizes, those are the two keywords, all or a substantial part of the contents of the database. So this is different to the normal rules on copyright infringement, which would apply to database copyright infringement. Some basic definitions. Extraction. This means the permanent or the temporary transfer of database contents to another medium by any means or in any form. Reutilisation. This means making the database contents available to the public by any means.
1: Okay, so would I be right in saying that it isn't relevant or a defence if the um, extraction is for a commercial or non-commercial purpose?
0: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And extraction or reutilisation can be direct or indirect. So going back to direct media. There, the Court of Justice clarified that there would be extraction even when a person consults a database and uses the results instead of sort of physically transferring or copy pasting from the database. Um, And you'll recall that was the case that uh, a publishing company had consulted a database of poems put together by a professor before that company came up with its own database. There's also no prescriptive manner in which reutilisation needs to occur to be infringing. So, For example, in the InnoVeb and Wegener case, the development that the defendant's dedicated meta search engine allowed a member of the public to enter a search query on the defendant website, which would then directly search through the contents of the claimant's website.
1: Sorry, can I just pause you there, Joshi? By meta search engine, do you mean a uh, a sort of search engine that will go off and search other search engines, um, sites, databases, and then bring back a result?
0: Yeah, no, that's absolutely correct. And in Innoveb, the Court of Justice found that this type of search would constitute a reutilisation as the claimant's database was being made available to the public through the dedicated meta-search engine. When we refer to substantial part, this is viewed quantitatively and or qualitatively. A few tongue twisters coming up here. A small qualitative extraction that is not quantitatively significant can lead to a finding of infringement if what is taken steals from the effort in obtaining, verifying and presenting the contents. And the extracted material does not have to be valuable to the business of the maker of the database, which is sometimes a bit surprising uh, to to people, you know, who are being advised about this. Um, Repeated and systematic extraction or reutilisation of insubstantial parts of the database may also result in a substantial part if it's taken cumulatively.
1: Okay, so I guess it's now time for the B-word.
0: Of course, Brexit. Um, So let's focus first on copyright protection of databases and Brexit. So copyright and databases will continue to subsist under the CDPA 1988 at UK national level because the qualification provisions under section 154 of the CDPA relate to British nationals, residents or incorporated entities. The UK and all EEA member states are members of international treaties on copyright that ensure eligible works such as databases that are original are protected in all treaty countries. As this reliance on international treaties doesn't depend on the UK's relationship with the EU or the EEA, copyright protection for databases in the UK and EEA will not change after the end of the IP period um, on the 1st of January 2021 at the moment. Um, So, that is copyright protection of databases. Now, that is different to database right protection. So, this is a little bit more tricky. Database rights that existed in the UK prior to exit, whether held by UK or EEA persons or businesses, will continue to exist in the UK for the remainder of their duration. Tick. The withdrawal agreement provides that the holders of UK database rights subsisting before the end of the implementation period will maintain an enforceable UK database right. However, in line with the databases directive, the copyright and right in databases regulations 1997 limit the ability to qualify for a database right to those who are nationals of EEA states.
1: Okay, I see. So, therefore, at the end of the implementation period, there will be no obligation for EEA states to recognise UK nationals as eligible to qualify for the database right in the EEA.
0: Yeah, that's exactly the problem. So, um, amendments to the copyright and rights and databases regs are going to be affected, or will be affected via, and I apologise for these long-winded <laughs> titles, but there's no other way of telling you, <laughs> Um, via the Intellectual Property, Copyright and Related Rights Amendment EU regs 2019, which will come into force at the end of the implementation period. These regs replace references to the EEA with the UK, and that ensures that UK nationals are still eligible to qualify for the database right in the UK. However, there is no obligation on EEA states to provide or continue to provide sui generis database rights to UK nationals, residents and corporations. The bottom line is that UK database owners may find that their rights are unenforceable in the EEA.
1: Okay, so in that case, I mean, uh, what should UK database owners do after the IP period then?
0: Well, after the IP period in the EEA, it would be necessary for those entities to rely either on any copyright in the relevant database, which, which may or not be there, and or any contractual arrangements to protect that database.
1: Uh, what about new databases then?
0: Anybody creating new databases where the creation will happen or the investment will be made post-implementation period really need to think carefully about where they wish to do so, bearing in mind that they are likely to be able to obtain protection either in the, U- in the UK or in the EU, but probably not both.
1: OK, uh, this all sounds pretty clear then. Uh, basically, Uh, database rights protection will be limited to the UK. And so in theory, um, EEA members could use these databases in ways they wouldn't have been able to before if um, there's no other protection present.
0: Yeah, that's right. And so uh, UK individuals and companies should prepare for the UK leaving the EEA by considering those protection measures as appropriate. Um, as an alternative to relying on IP rights, technical protection measures such as encrypting data or contractual restrictions over the use of data should probably also be considered.
1: Okay, that's all been uh, really useful, Joshie, so thank you for that. And uh, on that, I think that's all we have time for today. And of course, all of this information is contained in our Lexis PSL practical guidance, including the case details of all the cases we've mentioned. Thanks for listening, everyone.